you have your Bibles and would kindly turn to Luke 23, beginning at verse 32 and reading through verse 43. The Lord's words in particular in this text to the repentant thief, today you will be with me in paradise, is the subject that we will expound from God's word together today. So I would like to read the verses again for our careful consideration. There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. They divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood on looking, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I want to take the eight-word statement made to the repentant thief apart, eight words. Let's start with Jesus' first word, today. There would be no delay. In 2 Corinthians 5, 5 to 8, we see the same. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee, so we are always confident, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. When Jesus said today there was no delay, nor would there be any arranging of a court date for the thief, no court proceedings, no jury, and there also would be no doubt. At the point of physical death, redeemed souls and spirits leave redeemed bodies and immediately and directly go to Christ in heaven. It's like 
a light switch off turns on right away. And to be off is not to be on, and to be on is not to be off. Off, absent from the body, on, at home with the Lord. In one place in Scripture, it is said that angels carried a dead, redeemed person to heaven. That's in Luke 16, verse 22. But, but that means of transport was not mentioned by our Savior here in this case. Jesus simply said and profoundly said to the thief, today, you'll be with me in paradise. So that's today. Let's move on to you. This is a singular you. Jesus is addressing to one person, just the repentant thief, not the blaspheming thief. And we do know from Scripture that not everyone makes heaven. Not everyone rests in peace. In fact, more people miss heaven than are given it as a gift. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are those who find it. But God, praise his name, hears and acknowledges individual and private personal prayers of repentance and faith in his son. And God even hears and acknowledges such prayers when they are not uttered out loud. So that's today you. The next word is will. Not you might, but you will. Certainty, not long shot. Guaranteed, not wishful thinking. Being with Christ in heaven was something which the repentant thief could definitely count on as he died. In fact, the verse tells us something rather remarkable when it says, and Jesus said to him, assuredly, 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 I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Of course, Jesus Christ himself saying it would have been enough to take it to the bank. But when the Lord added assuredly, the 1,000% certainty of the promise was all the more confirmed. It's like in the Gospels. The Lord Jesus, when teaching, did not have to say truly, truly, because he only was and is the truth. But when the Lord in the Gospels did say, truly, truly, I say to you, he was doubling down on the truth which he was about to speak. In, in as many words, he was saying, listen up. And Jesus said to this repentant thief, assuredly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. So that's the words, today you will. Let's move on to the next words, be with me. You know what makes heaven? Heaven is the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what makes heaven, heaven. The Lord Jesus manifest literal presence in heaven, his home, is what makes heaven Perfect in every way. You could have all the gold streets and all the pearly gates and all the perfect conditions even, but if Jesus Christ wasn't there, then it wouldn't be heaven. 
Or you could lack the golden streets and lack the pearly gates. But if Jesus Christ was there, it would be heaven. I've told you this story before of the Christian physician who was doctoring a believing patient terminally ill with cancer. And one of the doctors interchanges with the patient in an examination room at the doctor's office. After the examination, the sick patient said to her doctor, I I just wish I knew more about heaven. Doctor says, hold on a minute, please. He left the room, closed the door, and was gone a little while. Came back in the examination room and closed the door behind him. And not very long after he got back to the room, the woman heard, She said, is that a dog out there? Yes, that's my dog, Chloe. Chloe has never been in this sanitary, sterile examination room, but she desperately wants to get into it right now simply because she knows that I'm in here. And if her master is in this examination room, she wants to be in it. And then he tenderly told his dying patient, We don't know everything we might want to know about heaven, but we do know that our master is there. And so we so long to be in the the place with him. In the book of Revelation, it has many places of making it clear that heaven's greatest prize is the Lord Jesus Christ. In Revelation 1.13, in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man... Or in Revelation 4.2, behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Or Revelation 5.5, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Or Revelation 5.8-14, and now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, And I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. And they were saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such are as in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Oh yes, Jesus Christ is the greatest prize, the central focus of heaven. We must never lose sight of that. And so that's, today you will be with me. Next and last, in paradise. Jesus said to the repentant thief, most assuredly I say to you, today 
you will be with me in paradise. It's a place, a real place. It's not some idea. Heaven is not some ideal or philosophy. Heaven is a real celestial piece of real estate. It's the home of the perfect triune God. It's a gated community. It has 12 gates. It's gated. It's God's home. The Greek word which is used in this verse and translated paradise only appears in two other places in the New Testament. The first place is in 2 Corinthians 12.4 when Paul was relaying his experience of being seeing some of heaven as a gift, a grace gift of God. 2 Corinthians 12.4 how he was caught up into paradise, there's the word, and heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for man to utter. Then the second place where this word translated paradise in Jesus' statement to the repentant thief is Revelation 2.7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, watch it, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And so Jesus said to the believing repentant thief today, Assuredly, today, you will be with me in paradise. The particular Greek word that is translated paradise three times in the New Testament could also be translated a garden. The Greek translation of the Old Testament, otherwise known as the Septuagint, translates that same Greek word as the word for Eden, as in the Garden of Eden. But all three New Testament usages of the Greek word refer to heaven and call it paradise. Paradise. The paradise of heaven. And so Jesus' remarkable statement to a repentant thief, today you will be with me in paradise, needs to be considered the theological ramifications of that statement. Please listen carefully. Only a supremely unique Savior dying on a supremely significant cross could make that supremely bold assertion to a supremely guilty man. The supremely reassuring assertion being, today, you will be with me in paradise. For that statement to be made with authenticity, and accuracy, it required six things at least. Ready? It required God's authority. It required God's omniscience. It required God's sacrifice. It required God's forgiveness. It required God's grace. And it required God's resurrection. Very quickly, let me go through these things, the six things theologically that were required for Jesus to be able to say to a repentant thief dying on a cross, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Six things that had to be true. First, 
as God, Jesus had to have God's authority. And of course he did. John 10.30, he said, as he taught, I and my Father are one. Claim of deity. Second, as God, Jesus was omniscient. So he perfectly knew that the thief's repentance and faith in him were genuine. God's omniscience in Christ. John 2, 24 to 25. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Jesus, dying on the cross, looked to the man who was repenting, and Jesus knew what was in the man's heart, that it was sincere, humble, contrite, repentant. That's how Jesus could say, today, you will be with me in paradise. But there's more. As God, Jesus' blood was the culminating and complete sacrifice for the thief's sin and for all of our sin today as well. Hebrews 9, 11 to 14. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Oh yes, as God Jesus' blood, God incarnate, Jesus' blood was the culminating, the completing, the ultimate sacrifice to pay for the thief's sin and also for the world's sin and also for our sin. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. For knowing that you were not redeemed, bought out of the slave marketplace of sin to be freed, to be righteous and do the bidding of God. For you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. But there's more. For Jesus to be able to have said to that repentant thief, today you will be with me in paradise. He had to be authoritative as God. He had to be omniscient about the thief's heart. And his blood had to be unique blood. But more, as God, Jesus' resurrection justified that sinful thief, thus forgiving him. Romans 4.25, referring to Christ who was delivered up, that is to the cross, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. We are forgiven of our sins because of Good Friday. We have proof that our sins have been forgiven because of Resurrection Lord's Day, amen? And so may I point out what many have pointed out, and rightly so, that as God, Jesus' righteousness was graciously put into the believing thief's account. You do realize that on that cross, dying within however many minutes, 
That repentant thief couldn't pray a sinner's prayer. He couldn't raise a hand. He couldn't walk an aisle to an altar. He couldn't read his Bible. He couldn't be water baptized. He couldn't make restitution to the people he stole from. He couldn't join a church. He couldn't learn sound doctrine. He couldn't live for God. He, could do, he couldn't do more than good. He couldn't even do one good thing. But Jesus Christ's righteousness was credited to his repentant heart expressing faith alone in Christ. One of my favorite preachers is Alistair Begg, and if you, you YouTube search his sermon, the, Middle, the Man on the Middle Cross, it's a, such a touching sermon, basically what Pastor Begg says when the repentant thief got to heaven, and if the angel started quizzing him about theology and good works and membership in a church and baptism, do you know anything about that? The thief would say, I don't know anything about that, but the man on the middle cross said I could come. That's how it is. Second Corinthians 521 is so beautiful. For he, God the Father, made him the Lord Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And those beautiful verses we have memorized as believers that we use often when we preach the gospel to others and hopefully when we preach the gospel to ourselves. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no man may boast. There's one last thing. In order for that declaration of the Lord Jesus to the repentant thief to have meaning and accuracy and veracity. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus had to have God's authority. Jesus had to have God's omniscience. Jesus had to be God's sacrifice. Jesus had to be able to give God's forgiveness. Jesus had to be exhibit one of God's grace. And the Lord Jesus, last, had to be the one who would be resurrected as God's savior for the world, God's savior for the world. And it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 21, which we will celebrate on Sunday, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. And so I close with a simple question. In light of Jesus telling a repentant dying thief, assuredly, today you will be with me in paradise, I end with a simple question. Are you right with God? Nothing in your hands you can bring, but only to Christ's cross you must cling. If you are not trusting Christ alone to be your only remedy for sin, please transfer your trust from yourself or anything you could do to all that Jesus has already done. Repent of sin, repent of 
rejection of the Lord Jesus, tacit or subtle. Put all your faith on him like that thief on the cross did. He rebuked the blaspheming thief and he affirmed a simple faith that Jesus Christ was God and he had a paradise and he could get people who believed in him to that paradise. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. A child can trust Christ for salvation. I did. I was four and a half years old and I am no genius. But somebody told me that I was a sinner from the Bible, showed me that Jesus loved me as a sinner, that he died in my place, and that he rose from the dead, and they invited me to trust him. And in childlike faith, I trusted him. Then I began a journey of growing to love him more and to understand his will more as found in his word. But it all begins with trusting him for salvation. If you're not yet right with God, please trust Jesus and only Jesus for your salvation this morning. Now, if you are right with God, and I believe the vast majority in the sanctuary, balcony, and online probably are already right with God, that's wonderful. But if we are right with God, we need to live from this cross that we are remembering this morning. We need to live a thank you kind of life to such a Savior who would die such a death for us on such a cross. Our lives' words, our lives' actions, our lives' attitudes, our lives' priorities should reflect a thank you kind of life to a Savior. Let's live that way. Because when we will live that way, church, it will show. It will show in many ways. And we want to be a pure chaste bride as a church for our bridegroom, the Lord Jesus. People looking at Calvary Bible Church, which is not a building. It is us, the people of God, the incredible body of Christ. When they look at us, the church called Calvary Bible Church, they should have an appetite for the bread of life. They should have a thirst for the living water of Christ. They should have a desire to find the purposes for which they have been created. And they should have an answer to assuage their guilt because they are sinners. Because they see Christ in us, the hope of glory. So I'm so glad we've assembled in this crucified Savior's name today. And as we soon come to his table, may we use the time afforded us to allow the Holy Spirit to examine any unconfessed sin that might be in our lives so that when we partake of the elements, the bread and the juice, to remember Jesus, that we will be able to do so with clean hands and pure hearts.